Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds. I am your host, Corey Jackson, guiding you through this 2022. Eh, it wasn't a full rhyme, but Shedheads, welcome back to Outside the Sheds. As we continue to, how should I say, hold the line as we prepare for the upcoming 2022 NRL, AFL, Super League seasons that are knocking on the door. Shedheads, I hope you had a great week. I know that I had an alright week. We had another winter storm where I'm at, which was really nothing. It just got very, very cold. But I did just get a notice saying that I have to... that I I definitely had to, quote-unquote, as my phone talks me. Uh, let's see what it's saying. Oh, hold on, Shedheads. Hold on. I actually am using a backup phone right now, which is not doing me any good right now, as you can see. Um, but as I was saying, thank God it's not Siri. But... Let's see if we can get this to work. This is to show you that Outside the Sheds is a real show. That I am having a, how should I say, a phone moment with you guys right here with me. To replay your message, press 1. To delete and re-record your message, press 3. For delivery options, press 4. To send a fax, press 6. To cancel this message, press star. To send this message now, press pound or hang up. Greetings and welcome to Outside the Sheds. I am your host, your Shed Adamus. Okay, maybe not fully after these picks in the NFL the last few weeks, but welcome to Outside the Sheds. I am your host, Corey Jackson. Like I said previously, as I continue to come to you as we begin this, how should I say, this trek into 2022 with the NRL and AFL and Super League seasons, knocking on the door right around the corner. We can feel it. We hold the line. That's what we have to do right now. We have to hold the line and not break just for a little bit longer. We just have to hold on. We just have to hold on, Shedheads. I hope you guys are having a great week. In the bunker where I'm at right now, we had another knock-on-knock winter storm that just came in, and and how should I say this, uh, put the fine residents, I shouldn't say that, the people of this state in lockdown procedures they got ready for a cold snap that came through we did have some ice i guess we did have a little bit of ice but uh i myself grew up on this stuff so i have no problem driving on ice i just don't want to drive on the roads with the people that i live around on ice if you know what i mean so that's what i've been dealing with the last few days but uh i just got another message on my phone that says that I have to boil water now for the foreseeable future because 
the great leaders of the place that I live don't always have us prepared for, how should I say, adverse situations. But let's get away from those nitwits and get into the things that we're here for, and that is the world of rugby league, AFL, and outside the bubble, which means everything else. Shedheads, you know how you know that something's close as we go into the 40-20, and that is that we're getting word, we're getting things passed down, that rules changes are coming to the forefront. I talked to you a few weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, about some changes that were happening in the world of the AFL for rules. Well, it's come down that some rules changes are going into effect for this coming 2022 NRL season. And that major rule that's coming down is about the controversial six again rule that was implemented last year from Peter Volandis, the ARLC, and that is, and if you guys don't know, this is how it's worded, it does, the six again gives referees an option to restart a set mid-play for offside or ruck infringement. Now, the problem with the rule, as we found out later on, is that some, some pretty smart coaches, we've got some smart coaches in the NRL, learn to work that for their advantage. And I don't know how many times, I'd say from the halfway point of the season forward, that we didn't hear that whistle blow for six again and to get, you know, get the sign over the head, you know. Um, meaning, let's start the play. And, 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 and teams had no problem that had a good defensive structure giving up that six again rule to get everything into place, get their team in line, get guys a little bit more wind back in their sails to take on that defensive set. And that is good and that's bad. What's good about it is that, again, your team can get some rest. What's bad about it is it takes advantage of the situation, right? We all know that. That's what these coaches do. When they learn something well enough and they learn how to work it in their best favor, that's what a coach is put in place to do. Some people can say it's called cheating. I don't say that. I said that they had an angle, they found out how to use it, and they used it, right? If every team was as strong as that team, or as coached as well as that team, everybody would do it, right? It's just that some teams can implement it better than others. Now, here's what Volandis and the boys at the ARLC have now decided, and that is, and as I quote again, six against can only be rewarded when the team in possession is beyond their own 40 meter line and a penalty must be awarded if they are inside their defensive 40 meters. So, that takes away that whole, I guess, scheme and strategy to try to get over in the system of, of, of ruck infringement and laying on people and all that type of stuff. So, I think that's going to be good for the game. I think it's going to clear it up a little bit. You won't see teams trying to, how should I say, niggle to get the penalty, to get a break, to get some oxygen, all that. So, we'll see. But I do think that is a good move in the right direction. Uh, that is the one thing that you can say about the NRL, and about the AFL in a lot of ways too. And that is when they see something and it isn't working, they have no problem changing it. Now, I know we're all holding our breath to see if we can get away from these high hits and these high contacts, guys laying down that haven't been hurt. That is what I more care about than I do the six again. So we'll have to see how that plays out. And hopefully, uh, Vlandis has sat down all these guys in these bright jerseys, I mean referees, and told them to let the game flow. We'll have to see. But I know that another rule that did come down 
If you remember last year in the in in, in the finals, that uh, a couple of how should I say coaches used their on-field trainers to stop play, which I think everybody thought was an outrage, thought that it was scandalous, thought that it shouldn't have been able to be allowed to happen. And they look like they've addressed this because it now says club trainers will no longer be able to stop play for injuries unless they are head injuries. Now, the problem with this is this still gives on-field trainers the possibility and chance that they could, I'm not going to say that it's going to be coached to players if things are going bad to grab their head or to lay down there. But it does give that tiny little window that a trainer could still say my player's knocked out or concussed or whatever. So we're going to have to see how that plays out. Because like I said, all of these coaches are looking for the angle. And I'm not saying any of them are above approach of doing something like this. I hope not. I hope that's not anything that we'll see. Uh, I do think that there should be really extensive penalties if it is proven that a, a, a coach, a club, a team does that, faking a head injury like that. But like I said, we've seen players fake head injuries before or the high tackle. So hopefully we don't see this. But again, there is that little window that has been left open with this. Now, the other thing that is being talked about and that we've gotten word is that they're trying out some type of technology. The NRL is about how to prove if a pass is forward or not. And it sounds like they were trying this out without letting anybody know this technology. And it was being used during the playoffs last year and tried out before, by any means, it was implemented into the general pop or, or into the play, right? And it sounds like they're going to do it and use it again in preseason this year to see what they think about it. Now, it seems like all of the coaches and owners and leaders like it, but it sounds like it is still a split if they want to implement it into usage this year or if they want to do it in the 2023 season. So that is what we're going to find out. They're not telling us about it. They're Well, we know about it, but they're not showing it to us. So we don't know what it looks like. We don't know how it fully works. But it does sound like they are trying to figure out some way of being able to go back and video review, it sounds maybe like, to see if it's a forward ball or not. Um, myself, I would like for something like this to take place. I would like something like this to be implemented. But one of the beautiful things about the game of rugby league and Aussie rules football is it's free flow, right? It's not a lot of stoppage, definitely not in the AFL, but in the NRL, not as much stoppage as you would see in, in other sports of contact, you know, gridiron, NFL, whatever you want to say. Um, so we'll have to see, because I do not want a lot of stops, uh, stoppages, and I don't know how they're going to do that and how they're going to use that. I don't know, will there be, will they actually use the bunker for something efficient in doing something like that? Um, and a whistle will get blown down or something like that? I don't know. I'm curious to see how they're going to try to implement this and how it works. But it does, again, bring a little bit of a smile to my face that they're trying to make the game or take away any chance of teams getting cheated. Uh, and I think that's all we want. I think we want a fair game. I think we want a game that is refereed for both sides the same way. And I think we want to take away the chance that your team gets cheated out of something they've earned. So it's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see what happens. 
but that's what we found out. Now let's get into the games themselves and things that are that are on the horizon. And the first thing on the horizon is the All Stars game, which we which we all know about is coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Well, it has been handed down that Latrell Mitchell will not be in the side for the Indigenous All Stars team for representing Australia. I guess you could say, uh, and that is a little bit of a blow. I don't. I think it was kind of up in the air if they were going to let Latrell play with the suspension still being uh, upheld. Um, but Latrell will be able to play in the Charity Shield. He's just not able to play in the All-Stars game. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to go over the inclusion so far for both clubs, the Indigenous All-Stars and the Maori All-Stars. So let's go over some of these players. For the Indigenous squad, we've got Albert Kelly. It's always good to see Albert Kelly back. Alex Johnson, Andrew Fafita, Braden Trindle, David Fafita, Hamasai Taboe Fadao, oh, I might have butchered that, Jack Bird, Jermaine Tanua Brown, Jesse Ramian, Josh Adokar, the Fox, Josh Curran, Josh Kerr, Katoni Staggs, Nico Hines, Ruben Cotter, Ryan James, Selwyn Cabot, Tyrell Fumiano, Will Kennedy, Will Smith, and Coach Lori Daly for the Indigenous All-Stars. Now, for the Maori All-Stars, Britton Nakora, Chanel Tavares-Tavita, Dylan Walker, Aaron Clark, Isan Masters, James Fisher-Harris, Jaden Nicarima, Jazz Taviga, Jordan Rapana, Joseph Tappany, Kenny Bromwich, Kevin Proctor, Cody Nicarima, Morgan Harper, Basami Solo, Patrick Herbert, Remus Smith, Royce Hunt, T.C. Rabati, Tuku Hawa Tapua, and David Kidwell. That is the side that we have that has been named for the Maori All-Stars. So to me, what that says is we're still going to have a pretty darn cracking game. You know, uh, I guess it is time and it is fate that we do not have a Latrell. We don't have Benji Marshall in there, which is sad to see. Uh, and I think it's, again, reinforced that we're not going to see the gazelle, as I call him, Benji playing in the NRL for the first time since I've started to watch the game. So, uh, you know, everything happens. Everything changes. But to me, I'm very, very excited that this is right around the corner. Now, we've been talking about how Clint Eastwood has been bringing players in for the Dolphins for the 2023 season, and he continues I reported a couple weeks ago that Jesse Bromwich had signed with the Dolphins. Well, good news for the family Bromwich, and that is the Dolphins have signed his brother Kenny to a three-year deal starting in 2023. Uh, I, I, you know, we know the pull of Wayne Bennett. We know that players love to play for Wayne Bennett, and I think maybe it hasn't come out of the gate as fast as a lot of people expected Wayne Bennett to be bringing players up to Redfern and to the Dolphins, but I will tell you, he's slowly but surely putting together a pretty dynamic team, a team that is that definitely feels like a Wayne Bennett team, and I think, truthfully, it's only going to ramp up, and it's going to continue to take pace, and I think we're going to see some, some pretty brilliant players going up there for Wayne to be able to coach in 2023, but I think that's a good get. Uh, again, we're seeing, you know, the, we know how the Bromwich players brothers play 
Uh, and, and I think that under Wayne's guidance, uh, they're going to take it to another level as well. So it's not that Bellyache doesn't get the best out of him as well, too. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see them back home in Queensland and what they do for the side and the club. Now, for bad news, we've always got to go into the world. And I told you, you really can't pick. I, I've told you, Shedheads, before, my pick to win the uh, trophy this year in the NRL, to win the championship, the Sydney Roosters, right? But I also said it's tough to pick a club and a side until we see how they get through preseason and the early part of the season with the injuries. But two injuries have come down. Uh, the Raiders, Speedster, Harley Smith Shields, and Tigers forward Sean Bloor have been ruled out of the 2022 season with ACL injuries. And I think that is a huge blow for Canberra for sure. I think, you know, the Tigers are, are definitely looking for some size. Uh, I saw them ranked as the last ranked team in the NRL for for big for big guys being able to do some damage and destruction. Uh, so these are two, two key losses that could affect both of these clubs. One of them definitely at the top of the pack with with with, with Sticky and the Raiders. And, you know, Madge McGuire, uh, how should I say, doing uh, breathing exercises just in case he gets put underwater early in the season with the West Tigers. So big knocks, big knocks for both of those clubs. Now, I like to end on a positive note when we leave the 40-20. I try to do that for both of these as we talk about it. But as I leave the 40-20, we've got two new captains that have been named for clubs. You guys, you know, unless you're living under a rock, you've heard about one of them for sure. And I think one that we all knew was going to happen. Adam Reynolds has been given the captaincy for the Brisbane Broncos. I think that was a no-brainer. I think we know that maybe the biggest loss for sure for the boys down in uh, South Sydney is that Adam Reynolds isn't there. And I think one of the most plus signs for the Brisbane Broncos is that Adam Reynolds is there. So Adam Reynolds has been named your captain for the Brisbane Broncos for the 2022 season. And then Tino has been named the captain for the Gold Coast Titans. Fausumulai. Boy, I know I butchered that. I'm sorry, Tino. I forg Forgive me, please. But Tino has been named the captain. Uh, he is promising to bring two championships, two trophies back to the Gold Coast Titans before the year 2030 under his helm as the captain of the Gold Coast Titans. I think it's bold. I think that you've got the coach to do it in Holbrook. But the question is, you know, you got some major changes in the halves department. And I don't think he's saying that, that he's thinking the Titans are going to win it this year. But you have to say that the Gold Coast Titans are definitely a team trending upward. Uh, and and who, who knows? I'm saying they were a, a bad read on a tackle last year from advancing in the playoffs so, or in the finals. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But I think that there's uh, two interesting choices. I think Reynolds for sure is a no-brainer. And, and it looks like Holbrook went a little bit younger with his captain for, for Gold Coast. But I think they both provide something that will be... How should I say a godsend for both teams as it goes along? Now, as we leave the world of rugby league and go on to on the mark into the world of the AFL, it's a sad story to start it out, but uh, hopefully it's a story that has a little bit of redemption, a little bit of future down the line. But uh, Essendon Bombers, their, their gun Anthony McDonald to 
has taken an indefinite leave from the club for personal reasons and is still nursing that injured calf. And I, you know, I've watched this young man play the game for a while. He is fun. He's explosive. Um, he's got a flair about him. But none of us know the demons that, that, that we all face in our own way. And, and the only thing you can do is, is, is have a little bit of compassion, you know. And I know if you're a fan of the club, if you're a Bombers fan, a Bombers supporter, you, you, you need all the, as many bullets in the gun as you possibly can have, right? But at the same time, this young man's health, his mental health, his physical health with that calf injury are the most important things. So hopefully, Anthony's back, um, you know, as early as possible. But hopefully he's back with a new resolve in mental strength and in toughness so, so he finds a way to cope and to deal with, I guess, the ups and downs of the season for sure and that that calf is stronger than ever before. But we're thinking about you here on Outside the Sheds, uh, so keep healing up, Anthony, uh, and hopefully we'll see you sooner than later. Again, more bad news. St. Kilda defender and promising young gun Nick Caulfield tore his ACL in training at Mars Stadium, uh, a session that seems like he planted. And again, that's that's all it takes sometimes is just planning the wrong way. Uh, and again, uh, an ACL injury that's going to take him out of the 2022 season. Uh, St. Kilda, I told you it was going to be a team on the rise this coming year, I thought. And we see what this does uh, in a setback there. So uh, again, too bad. A, a, another injury. And again, the boys in the AFL are doing a really good job here in the offseason. You know, we've we've heard good news uh, that 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 Dustin Martin is, is is playing well, playing with the hunger. A lot of people think there's going to be some big things with Dusty. They're saying that Dusty might drift back in the halves a little bit more than than forward, like he'd been kind of drifting up this last couple of seasons, um, and that they that he wants to really take back that bull status that he had. So that'll be interesting to see. I know he's really lean. Myself, I'd like to see Dusty put on a little bit of muscle to go into the season. But, hey, maybe he's going to play about it a different way. Um, but I wanted to really end on the mark with a story that, I, you know, it really touched me before I even knew about this aspect of it. But one of my favorite shows to watch, and I'm not even the biggest, biggest basketball fan, right? Never been the biggest basketball fan because I always had a problem with, you know, being hit and being fouled, right? Every sport that I loved has physical content galore, right? I just, physical contact, that's what it is. From tackling to hitting, whatever you want to say, it's always been part of what I've loved, right? So the NBA always has kind of been like, you know, I, it kind of goes against my whole mindset. You get hit, you're fouled, it's a penalty, right? Instead of, that was an incredible hit. But my favorite show, hands down, on television that I watch every week is Inside the NBA. Ernie Johnson, Shaq, Charles, The Jet. There isn't a show on TV that makes me laugh harder week in and week out than Inside the NBA. The one sad part about it is that I haven't been watching this show for years. Because I've only started, I, I only got kind of, I knew about it, but I only got really subjected to it since COVID, right? Since the pandemic. And we were all looking for that out, right? And the NBA, the bubble, you know, it it just kind of took me in. And I started to watch it and I started calling my godmother 
all the time and we use it as a a bridge to to us talking about something. And I love the show. I love the guys. I think they speak from the heart. I think you can't find a maybe a group of guys that are players that are respected um, that have an understanding. And I'm I, listen, Shedheads. I am going to draw this back to the AFL. I'm not talking NBA. I know, but I love the show, and I love the guys in it. And again, if you haven't watched it, please watch it. It's it's an incredible show. Um, probably about a year ago. Ernie Johnson, the host of the show, he had a son that was challenged, was in a wheelchair, and footage came out of Ernie doing a a a speech, I guess you could say, to the Alabama Crimson Tide, talking about love and looking out for your fellow brother and and, and being there for one another. Uh, and at the end, he gave a hand sign that said, I love you, and he finished the speech. Right? Awesome speech. If you haven't seen it, look it up. Uh, if you don't feel emotion in you, if your spirit isn't a little bit, your soul isn't rocked a little bit, makes you want to be a better person, you're crazy, and you probably need to go see a little bit of professional help. But, it's an incredible, incredible um, clip. So, word comes out that the inside the NBA, again, I told you I don't like social media, leave me alone. The Instagram page for Ernie Johnson and inside the NBA had Ernie, Shaq, Chuck, and the Jet holding up Essendon Bombers jerseys that had their numbers, their playing numbers. The Godfather was number one, as you can expect, Ernie Johnson. But it had their numbers on it and their names. Shaq, Chuck, and the Jet. It was awesome. And it caught me off guard. And if if we were in a a title fight, I would have been standing eight counted right there, right? But then I, I kind of scrolling down. I'm like, wait a second. Why are they holding Guernseys? Bombers Guernseys, right? And I scroll down and I see the Essence of Bombers boys giving the I love you sign back and mentioning Ernie. And then I saw Ernie actually talking with his son that he lost. The one that he was doing the speech of talking, his son Michael. And Michael even said, go Bombers. And, you know, I love you. And it was to say that it was... Something that tugged tugged at your heartstrings a little bit is an understatement. But the connection between this show, Inside the NBA, you know, one of the, Ernie Johnson, one of the the premier broadcasters, sports broadcasters in this country, okay, in the U.S. But to see this world all being entwined like this. And we know, you know, one of Ben Simmons' best friends is a Melbourne Demons player, right? We know that the love, um, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think. Uh, there's a young gun that plays for Port Adelaide that I love to watch him play. And he even said that uh, if he'd rather be a professional NBA player than he would be a, a an AFL player, he said, but I, it's a little bit more skill in a different area than I'm good at. So I know there's a connection between a lot of the basketball guys and the AFL players. I'm Look at big Mason Cox down there. For, for the pies, I'm saying Mason Cox, Oklahoma State, was a was a basketball player. So you've got to have some big guys, Ruckman, all that type of stuff. But uh, it really brought it home. If you guys have a chance to look at it, Shedheads, take that in. Um, it's, like I said, it is a heartstring-pulling story. 
Um, and I thought what a better way to close out on the mark since we don't have tons to talk about right now um, with preseason just right around the corner. But uh, the inside the NBA boys, bringing it home, Essendon Bomber style, is something that we can always talk about here on Outside the Sheds. Now, as we go outside the bubble, I'm going to go all, I'm going to, I'm going to knock around, I'm going to bounce around in a couple different areas here. But I want to start off with one of the biggest shows, showings, I guess, thank you, showings, right, showings, all right, of heart that I've seen in sport for a very, very long time. Now, I usually don't tell you, Shedheads, the teams that I, or players, yeah, I tell you sometimes the players that I, I really support and that, that I, I have a, a extreme fondness for, whatever you want to say. But but I'm going to say this right now. I am team fed, okay, when it comes to tennis. Love Roger Federer. Uh, always have. There's a grace about the guy playing the game of tennis. A skill level that makes you shake your head. And I just always have loved the way that he's carried himself on the court, right? So you definitely have known that if, if, if I'm team fed, that my nemesis is Rafa, right? And Rafa's been my nemesis since he wore pants on the court in his little capris back in the day, right? Really bothered me. You know, a good pair of long shorts I got no problem with. I'm not about those little nut huggers that these guys are coming back to. We don't even want to talk about the NBA players going back to these John Stockton shorts. Listen, if you don't have enough down there that you can wear those, more power to you. I need a little bit of a longer short, if you know what I mean. We'll leave it at that. But Nadal has been my nemesis for years, right? If I'm a Federer fan, anytime Rafa wins a major, that goes against Roger, right? So I've always had this kind of respect because Nadal can do things maybe no one else can. You can never take away the number one thing about Nadal is he never quits. And like I said, he was a thorn in the side of Federer forever. But the only player that bothered Roger was Rafa, right? Okay. So let's jump ahead. Rafa's injury looks like he might not even be in, in the Australian Open this year. He makes it in the Australian Open. We have no no idea how far he's going to go. Then all the Joker stuff breaks out. Djokovic, I don't want to get the needle. I don't want to get the jab. I'm talking to some you know spiritual guy. Who knows what, Rafa, what, what, what Joker's doing. But anyway, so Joker's out of the tournament. And I started thinking, how crazy would it be if Nadal finds a way to win 21? And that's 21 Grand Slam titles. Joker, Fed, Nadal, all are tied at 20 up until that point, right? Okay. So I just started to get this feeling that Rafa was the man to beat. Even though Daniel Medvedev, the, 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 big, the big Russian stork, the guy that I don't know if, you know, he is not what I would want to be if there was a bad windstorm. Tall, lanky, I think he is ready to take flight. Okay, let me just say it that way. But a hell of a tennis player. I'm not a big fan of some of his mannerisms that he does. Uh, I don't think, I don't like the way he sometimes carries himself on the court. The things that he says, he has the ability to say, I, I just don't think there's a place for it. Anyway, and he showed that a couple times in this tournament. But a lot of people thought that Daniil was going to be the favorite to win this tournament without without Joker being there or Fed being there. And then we're with no one knew how healthy Rafa really, really was, right? Well, they both make it all the way through. They make, both make it all the way to the final. And I watched the match. As you know, Shedheads, 
Mrs. Shedadamas not going to be happy with me because I'm going to stay up all night watching the Aussie Open final. Congratulations to, to Ash Barty and uh, the Special K's winning the uh, women's singles and the men's doubles. But as I watched this, they said that Rafa had to start fast, and he didn't. Uh, Daniil punished him for the first two sets, all right? And I was about ready to turn it off because I, again, I told you, some of the things that, that Medvedev had done the la- in this tournament, I, I just I just don't have a time. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. And I think more and more he embraces that villain in him, right? And I don't think that's ever a good thing. Anyway, he wins the first two sets, 6-2, 7-6. Wins a tiebreak that, that I thought was the tiebreak. Everybody was saying it in the commentary booths that if Rafa wins the second set tiebreaker, this thing is pretty much done and dusted, right? And it doesn't look good in the third set. As a matter of fact, how Nadal looked going into the locker room right then showed you that I thought he was in trouble. You don't see Rafa ever have that look of, I don't know what I'm going to do. But he comes back and he does what Rafa does. He battles, Right? And like I said, no matter if you are team fed, team joker, the one thing you know you're going to get with Rafa is he will not quit. He's the guy that's going to die with his gun in his hand, right? And it still doesn't look good. But somehow, Rafa, who at, at, up until the, you know, later on in the match, it showed that he, it was taking him five minutes to hold in his service games. And it was only taking Medvedev like three minutes, right? But he, would, he just wouldn't quit. And every time it looked like Medvedev was about ready to choke him out, he would somehow get his hand between and prevent the choke, right? And he somehow wins the third set, right? But how much is a guy going to have in his tank? He's almost 10 years older than, than Medvedev. And I will tell you, shitheads, I caught myself for the first time being team-fed rooting for Rafa. Not just to win the match, but to break Federer's and their tie with Joker, the, you know, to get to 21. And the heart that I watched Rafa play with in that fourth and that fifth and the third set and that fifth set. And, you know, no matter if I'm not a big fan of his, Medvedev played some incredible tennis as well. But it gets to the fifth set because Rafa wins the fourth. It gets to the fifth. All momentum is with Rafa. But somehow Medvedev still will not go away. And then when Rafa is serving for the match, he gets broken. He gets broken. And I couldn't believe it. I, 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 I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And I really started to get that sensation that that this that that Medvedev, the villain, was going to somehow come back up on top, because Rafa looked a little dejected after he got broken. But to break right back and then to serve out the match, and the look of utter joy on his face that he had done it. To me, I have to say, I know that he loves his thirty-five French Open titles being sarcastic there but it was brilliant it was brilliant 
to see true joy on his face, to see his box, you know, Moya, Carlos Moya, who I was a big fan of, the number one tennis player in the world back in the day, uh, just to see the joy in his box. You know, Rafa's wife was not down there in Australia, and it was it, it was huge. I I, uh, I ended up having, staying up to like nine o'clock in the morning, uh, my time without going to sleep, because I was just I was so I was so jazzed about seeing Rafa win that. But then to see Medvedev do some of the things when the when the chairwoman of of Kia was talking and him saying boring behind her back and stuff like that, I'm like, listen, I know you lost a match. I've watched a lot of players lose grand slams, but you have to hold yourself with a sense of class. And that was classless. That was classless saying that. And listen, Daniil knows the cameras are everywhere. So him looking off saying boring, boring, and then start to speak under his under his freaking breath like he's probably saying some type of evil, uh, you know, you know, saying or, or or putting a spell on somebody. I just, you know, I, I to say that I thought he was kind of a villain before that. I don't know if I can ever root for that guy in anything. And then him coming out saying that he might play tournaments in Russia and me really rethink his whole you know future of where which tournaments he plays in you know what go stay in russia daniel go stay in russia see how much money you can make and like i said go and make i don't know nasa you know they say he's brilliant right go play be a professional chess player no one can boo you then play professional chess daniel play professional chess but that's not what i'm here to talk about i'm talking about rafa and and you know rafa even said in his speech afterwards that he thought this could be his last aussie open uh, and now the change in his mindset of being able to know that he's got more majors, knowing that he's getting ready to go into his best major being the French Open, I think it was um, it's very, very telling. And then when word comes out now that Joker is starting to panic so much because he knows that uh, that that uh, Macron is not going to let players play the French Open that aren't vaccinated. And to think that, that there's a chance now that Rafa could go in pretty much unimpeded because Medvedev doesn't play well on clay. You know, Roger's never been his biggest nemesis on clay, and he probably isn't playing that tournament anyway, how it sounds. I don't think, I think Wimbledon at the earliest is when we'll see Roger again. Uh, it's straight panic under Djokovic. It's so much panic now, they're saying he's going to get vaccinated, which is spellbinding to me. Because if he would have just done this instead of playing his game and infecting people when he was already knew he had COVID and going to see people publicly in Serbia, we wouldn't be having this discussion probably. But that was his choice. And it really, to me, shows like, what does the guy stand for? Because if he stands for not being vaccinated, it doesn't matter what Rafa does. But again, the people that don't like Djokovic will tell you it's all about Novak Djokovic. And that Djokovic will have a hard time watching anybody surpass what he wants to do. Because deep down, he feels he wants to go down as the greatest tennis player of all time. And the man is an incredible tennis player. Uh, I've lost a lot of respect for him over the things he's done the last few months. Uh, but that's me. That's your shed Adama, sheds, And that's why you're listening to Outside the Sheds. But uh, I, I just wanted to really start outside the bubble 
by going into one of the greatest, I would say, five hours and 33 minutes of a sport that I've maybe seen for a very, very long time. Uh, and maybe close to ever for what was on the line and how a guy came back and willed himself to a championship uh, was was incredible. was incredible. So congratulations. Vamos, Rafa. Vamos. So congratulations to your 21-time Grand Slam champion, Rafa. Rafael Nadal. So as I talk about the positives in the sport world outside the bubble, we've got to talk about the negatives. And one of the biggest things that I've seen that makes me want to vomit is when an organization says that they're doing something and they're doing the total opposite thing. When an organization is making themselves seem like they're a trendsetter of change and they show you that they're acting like something before uh, segregation was ended in the United States. And what I'm talking about, and if you're not smart enough to know already, is I take a drink of my energy drink that I'm not sponsored by, so I won't say their name, is the NFL. The NFL, with their one black head coach in their 70% black league, but one head coach. And a coach that was making them not a one head coach, black head coach league, but a multiple black head coach league because the Miami Dolphins had Brian Flores, but fired him after he had two back-to-back winning seasons for the dumpster fire of a franchise, the Miami Dolphins. Let me say that again. The dumpster fire of a franchise, the Miami Dolphins. Thank God for Crockett and Tubbs because Miami, you've been in trouble for a while, haven't you? The Huracans having problems down there. Manny Diaz not being able to take you guys to the promised land. You know, it's just, it's not been a good time for Miami sports. Thank God for Big Face Coffee. That's all I need to say about this, about the city of Miami right now. But anyway, they fire Brian Flores, which shocked everybody. Not just your, your Shed Adamas, not just me, but the sports world that follows the NFL. Because this is a guy that had the Dolphins knocking on getting into the playoffs. Um, anyway, it comes down this week that Brian Flores has has opened a class action lawsuit against the NFL, the New York Giants, the Denver Broncos, and the Miami Dolphins claiming racial discrimination in the league's hiring process for coaches and executives. Uh-oh. Now, the thing that really disgusted me about all of this is we all know that. You know, even the biggest racist individual in the world will even probably go, well, there sure aren't a lot of them in there. Meaning, everybody sees that. When you have a 70% black league and you've got one representation as a head coach, that's got to tell you something. And let's not even get, I'm not even going to get into all these coaches' kids that have fast-tracked their way to head coaching jobs and coordinator jobs, which if, if it doesn't show you right there, it's the good old boy network, good old boy network. You're, you're insane, okay? It is, it's a broken system. The Rooney rule is a joke. And I'm going to tell you something. It's funny that the one rule for bringing, how should I say, uh, 
coaches of all races and backgrounds to the possibility of being a head coach. The Rooney Rule is the team and named after the owner of the only team that has a black coach. Mike Tomlin for the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's insane. But the telling point to me was when almost instantaneously after word came out about this class action lawsuit by Brian Flores was the NFL saying, and I quote, we stand for inclusivity. I probably butchered that. But we stand for that. We stand in our strong stance about bringing people together and to be in trying to promote change. And I can't believe this. These these baseless these how they say these baseless claims will be fought vigorously in court. Now we're talking about the same league that spent millions of dollars to check deflated footballs for Tom Brady and wouldn't say anything right away wouldn't make a stance right away would, would hate to defend Tom Brady congratulations Tom on your on your career and your retirement but wouldn't say anything at all but they're in a moment's notice going to downplay these accusations okay and if the league isn't smart enough to see We've got one black coach, and why the hell did Brian Flores just get fired? And the rumor is Brian Flores got fired by the Dolphins because he wouldn't play ball with their owner, who it has come out was trying to pay him thousands of dollars to lose games to get higher draft choices. Now, the court case has not happened, and this owner for the Dolphins has come out and said that, quote-unquote, uh, that uh, this is not what we would want to do. Well, l- why don't we look into who th- one of these owners' best friends is? And I'm gonna have you shitheads look at that. Uh, you'll find out quickly, and you'll quickly know this guy's a charlatan, and, a sh- and and we'll just leave it at that. He's a charlatan with a lot of money. I shouldn't even use charlatan because they're one of my favorite bands ever, the Charlatans. And I would like to hate to bring them in the same light as this individual. But anyway, if this comes out now. The NFL has got to fight this or find out because this this owner has to be removed if he did ask for fixing of games, quote-unquote, throwing of games. Because how the betting world works right now, you cannot have a chance of games being thrown. Because the world, the, the sports world, the NFL especially, has opened up their Pandora's box and we'll say something else they've opened up that starts with the letter P, but we won't say that on Outside the Sheds because we're a family show. But they've opened themselves up with bending over backwards for gambling to take place in this game. You cannot do that and have people throw money gambling every week, which is not me, folks. Gambling every week if they don't know if it's a product that doesn't have predetermined outcomes. Because what you open yourself up to, if this is proven, is that people could go back and sue the Miami Dolphins, their owner, and the NFL for putting together a fake game, a fixed game, which is taking my money, right? Shannon, I don't know how many more things I have to say to tell you guys to keep your money and not gamble. But, again, 
You guys make your own decisions. But this suit, and you know, we won't go into all the things about about you know ex quarterbacks that are you know GMs of teams coming in late and and after hitting a few cocktails to meet with Flores or Flores finding out from Bill Belichick uh, that a different coach named Brian got the head coaching job for the Giants or the Mara family allegedly trying to... It is dirty. And we don't even want to talk about the Washington football team because I'm not going to even say that last name they picked because it's horrible again. It's... The NFL, no matter how much money they're making, looks like a shoddy, dirty organization. Dirty in so many different ways. So much so that that the government is starting to ask the NFL to, to seed review the emails from Daniel Snyder and the Washington football team's organization. The same emails that got uh, John Gruden fired from the Oakland, excuse me, excuse me, I said that out loud, Las Vegas Raiders. And now they're saying, the league says, well, we can't release those without the permission of the guy who is putting his hand on cheerleaders and executives' legs. It it is just, it's incestuous, it's dirty. Uh, I may not be watching a lot of NFL next year because, like I said, no one forces you to follow bad people. And that's what's going on here. My brother is a huge, 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 huge Cowboys fan. And I get into this all the time. He'll say, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, you know, uh, following the players. No, you're following the organization. And I don't ever really talk too much in detail about it, but you're following an organization of a guy who's one of them and a guy that really doesn't care about anybody else but himself and how well he looks and uh, uh, fundamentally speaking there, um, you know, that's what we do up in Dallas. Uh, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just dirty. And I don't know. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. I will this year. Uh, but I even told him, I'm, I may be done. I definitely told Mrs. Shedadamas, which brought her, made her very, very happy, that there won't be any more NFL gear bought by me. Uh, I purchased my last NFL gear until things by every means change. So, whoo, stories, stories, stories. Well, NFL, I would tell yourselves to do better, but like I said, why would you? Because you're making the money that you want to make, and let's just make sure we keep them workers going out in the fields, right? Keep those guys playing. Now, I could go on and on, and this has been my longest outside-the-bubble segment. We don't have a lot of stuff to talk about any anywhere else right now. we did our NRL in our in our AFL, and then, like I said, the season hasn't started, so your your Shedadamus was ready to flow, if you know what I mean. But I want to talk about a guy that right now I don't have much time for him. I've never really cared for him. Uh, but Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan, a fellow podcaster, definitely has more followers than I do. Not that he doesn't have more passionate followers. Love you, Shedheads. But Joe Rogan, let's remember what Joe Rogan is. Joe Rogan is a stand-up comic. Okay. Joe Rogan is the host of a show called Fear Factor back in the day when he made people eat disgusting things or lay in coffins and get covered up with all types of critters, snakes, bugs, whatever. Joe Rogan has a podcast that he kind of talks about things that are really fringy. 
right? He's not big with the vaccine, which already tells you kind of where I where I think about the guy a little bit. But again, it's a free it's a free world. It's, you know, you you can make your decision. My problem is you make your decision for yourself. I have a lot of things that I believe in, shedheads. I have a lot of things I believe in you might not believe in. Okay, respect though. I know this world has forgotten what it's like to respect people that don't have your same, I don't know, opinions. But we all have the ability to make that. My thing is, I don't make decisions and I don't put things out there that could hurt others. I don't. I don't. I like. I believe in leadership. I was a captain in every single club and team that I was a part of. And that was because it was all to me about the team and my fellow teammates, right? And sometimes making sacrifices for that team. And from the time I was little, I always knew my coaches were harder on me because I could probably handle it better than some of my teammates, right? But I always knew there were certain things you could do. You couldn't talk to everybody the same way as a captain on your team because everyone reacts differently, right? And everyone takes things differently. And that's why with great responsibility comes great I don't know how you would say this otherwise when we're talking about the world we're talking to. With great responsibility comes uh, a heightened sense of ownership. I'm going to change that. I know that the saying is different usually, but I'm going to say a greater sense of ownership. Because if people are following you and listening to you, you have to understand that the weight you're carrying really makes a difference. And Joe Rogan has a lot of followers. I don't know why, but he has a lot of followers, Right? And I don't really get it. I don't understand it. My ex-girlfriend had a, a, a unique run-in with the guy. Uh, and not a good run-in. He treated her fine. But he kind of put her in a, in a bad position, a bad situation by what he was asking. And, you know, I just, I don't understand where, why science has become evil in this world. Um, I don't understand it. I never will understand it. I, you know, I talked to you guys a few episodes ago about the loss of my family and my mother um, due to uh, health and illness. Um, and, and I have told you why I've been vaccinated. But I didn't go up on this gigantic soapbox about, you know, conspiracy theories and stuff. I said I did it for people to make sure that I could help and place my common good of trying to help others, Right. I'm not too worried about myself getting COVID and falling over or going to the ICU or anything like that. I'm, I'm in pretty damn good shape. Been in better, but I'm in pretty good shape. Um, but the platform that we have, to me, should be uplifting, right? The platform we should have should make you guys be able to get away, to make you guys think about making yourselves better or to make yourselves laugh and to get away because this world is in a fun place right now. This world probably is the most dangerous we've probably had a world be in since the Cold War back in the early 80s. And it affects everybody. It affects our children. It affects, you know, I, I think there's a reason that everyone talks about mental health right now because everybody follows and cares what everyone thinks about them and all this type of stuff. Thank gosh I'm past that point where I really don't give a damn, okay? But it means something when you stand up there on a platform and spout things that you really don't know, especially since you have no science background. 
You're a stand-up comic. You're a host of a MMA show. Uh, you sh you have no problem taking needles because your both of your arms are tattooed up because uh, you didn't like how your skin was getting splotchy because of of picking up an, an immune disease. So I don't understand why a jab makes a difference or why you're so against it. To me, it comes down to the fact that people don't want to be told what to do unless they decide what to do. And that's why it still goes back to having bad leadership that we had for a number of years. But the reason I bring this all up into sport is because Joe Rogan still, well, you know Dana White's not getting rid of him. He's, let's not even say what I think about that. But Dana White's not going to get rid of him, but he's in the MMA world. And it's turned me away from the whole UFC, truthfully. Um, but Shedheads, I just ask you, listen to reason, believe in yourself, and try to help others. I tell you guys that when I end up my podcast every week. Look out for one another. Look out for one another. That's all, that's all we need to do. That's all we need to do. We don't have to, you don't have to rethink how you're going to build a wheel or, or anything like that. Look out for your fellow man. No matter what color they are, no matter what religion they are, look out for your fellow man and woman. Treat them the way you want to be treated. That's it. It's the easiest thing in the world. It's the easiest thing in the world that we make the most complicated. I, I don't understand. But don't listen to people. Do your background on people you listen to. Right? Do your background. Make sure they, they know their stuff. That's all I'm going to say about that. That's all I'm going to say. I'm done. I'm done. But I will finish on the positive note. And the way that I'm finishing on the positive note is talking about a champion. And that is Kelly Slater. And if you guys don't know who Kelly Slater is, look him up. All right. A lot of people have been talking how Tom Brady to me is the greatest athlete ever or not an athlete I should change that but greatest champion ever and I think after what just happened this week in Hawaii I think to me there's a better a, a different goat it's kind of crazy in a week how we've had three goat talk right Nadal Brady but my goat is Kelly Slater Kelly Slater is a week away from being 50 years old and Kelly Slater just did something that was to say that it is not even thought in the realm of possibility 10 to 15 years ago, it wasn't, it just couldn't happen. Kelly, Kelly Slater just got in winning the Pipeline Masters, one of the most dangerous but prestigious surfing tournaments in the world. It is dangerous because you have tiger sharks, you have very dangerous coral, which gives you the ability, uh, coral reef, which gives you the ability to have barrels, which is one of the reasons it's called pipeline because you're in the tube, you're in the pipeline, you're in the pipeline. Uh, but the pipeline matters. He wins it at 49 years and 51 weeks of age. And if you don't know anything, I ask any of you, if you can, can you skateboard? Because take skateboarding and times it by a thousand, and that is what surfing is. And that this guy now has won Pipeline, and he won Pipeline for the first time in 1992. Think about that. 
He's won it eight times up before this, but the la the first time he won it was 1992. I, I it's fascinating. People people are thinking that they can't. You know, I just you know I just I'm just not the same guy that I. Kelly Slater just going to win Pipeline at almost 50 years of age. So for anybody who's going like I'm outdated, you know I'm just old. I just man I just can't touch my toes anymore. You're that is you. That is your choice. But hearing that, if that doesn't motivate anybody that's the age of 40 and above to change your life, to put this guy's poster up on your wall saying, I can do this. I don't know. You know, like I said, yes, Tom Brady is incredible. Yes, Rafa's incredible. But Rafa's not even 40 yet. 49 years, 51 weeks of age. This man wins pipeline. And if you have a chance to watch, he had his best round in the finals. Couldn't the, the young guy couldn't even be touched. It it is to say that it's awe-inspiring, that it's motivating. It's it is now, and I'll also tell you, Kelly Slater is not vaccinated. And this could cost him a chance of winning the world championship. Because he's going to have to be vaccinated to go to Australia to compete down there at Bells and and a lot of the big tournaments that are down down under. But that doesn't take away from the fact. I, when I say that you need to be vaccinated, that's my decision. And I think if we were all vaccinated, the world's a better place. That doesn't take away from the fact that the guy is one of the greatest champions. To me, maybe the greatest champion ever. All right. And he did it again at that age. I, I Kelly Slater, I don't know what to say to you, but... When people say the word goat, you might be the guy on that poster for me. Congratulations, man. I, I don't, I can't even put into words how incredible it is to see you win that trophy and how happy I was. But uh, congratulations for winning the Pipeline Masters. And, and hey, have an incredible 50th birthday, Kelly Slater. Have an incredible 50th birthday. Shedheads, what an episode. One of the longest episodes we've had on Outside the Sheds. And we spent maybe a quarter of it talking about the things we come here to talk about. But that's what you get with your Shed Adamas. A well-rounded, highly toned assassin of words and lyric. That's what we get. And that's why you tune in. And that's why I love talking to you guys. But until next week. And next week we're going to have some final real rugby league. The Super League season starts next Thursday. Uh, get excited. I'm excited. I can't wait to see some of these teams go back at it in the Super League. I, I, I'm almost feeling like I need to pinch myself because I can't believe it's getting ready to start again. But until next week, shitheads, stay warm. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught or don't call me. This has been Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, Corey Jackson. Until next week, see ya. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson talking all things NRL, AFL and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.